I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's up, everybody? It's your coach. Welcome back to the channel. Thank you so much for the support. Please, if you haven't yet, subscribe, hit the like button, comments, all that good stuff. Today's episode, when your boy is trending, he's trending. The reason why Pete Alonso went back to back in the home room derby, and it's because this time around we had my boy, the legend, Dave Jousey. This episode, for me in particular, I think is great for parents to hear. A guy that has over 30 plus years in the big leagues experience. This interview was done a while back. This is when he was in the Pirates organization. He's now with the Mets. Which is when we were together, talks about everything, hitting philosophy, baseball philosophy. We're talking about when he was a beast. I knew he was going to win the competition. We talked about how he got into the big leagues because of his ability to throw BP. And it's one of the most funniest stories ever is when he was with Baltimore and he was throwing BP to Cal Ripken. And it was the one time that while he was throwing, he said, oh, if I actually hit this guy, there goes the favorite streak. So that's it here. You're going to love it. Without further delay, episode 96 of the Coach HP Show, the legend, David Jobs. Let's go. There are a lot of ideas, and they're, they're changing all the time. They're developing and evolving all the time. And there's validity and value in all of them. In all of them. Every hitter is different. It's your coach, Coach HP, with the legend. I don't know if you see it up here. I don't know if you see him up here, you know. But if you're not in the baseball, baseball world, this is the big league world, you might not know who this gentleman is. Please introduce yourself for the couple of people that aren't in the baseball world, who you are. I'm a friend of yours. I love it, I love it. Importantly today. But I'm David Joust. I'm a coach with the Pittsburgh Pirates and live here in Naples and... uh, Spending the off season here and um, having an opportunity to have the pinatas over for. No, I like it. I like it. Baseball, your experience, because I know one of the biggest accolades you have is you're one of the few professional coaches that never actually played professional baseball. Right? Explain that journey of how you went from college coach to pro coach. Or I can even back up further as a. A lot of people don't get an opportunity in the past to have played professionally because they've had bad coaching, they weren't seen, um, or they got hurt. Well, first of all, I never got hurt. Um, my college coach was a college Hall of Fame coach, Bill Thurston from Amherst College. My high school coach was an Illinois high school Hall of Fame coach, Ryan Klein. So I had really good coaching and seen, well, my Last year in college, we had eight people that played professionally, four drafted and four signed. So there were scouts there all the time. So I guess the only reason I didn't play was 
complete lack of talent. <laughs> so that's the reason I had to go into coaching right away. Um, the last game I played in college, within 24 hours, I was up in Woodstock, New Brunswick, managing a team um, of players between 16 and 34 at the age of 22. And uh, I really enjoyed coaching. I, I love the game of baseball and got an opportunity to coach college after that, got an opportunity to coach in the Cape Cod League after that. Um, and then I'd, I'd always try to get professional uh, opportunity to coach professionally and got an interview, got a few interviews, some formal, some informal for a while. Got an interview one time with Jerry Manuel down in, uh, in West Palm Beach in 1987. And uh, he hired me as a Gulf Coast League manager for the Expos and been a professional coach ever since. Wow, wow, that's, that's awesome. What part of the game do you enjoy the most? I, I like 7 to 10 o'clock the most. Yeah. Um, and on Sundays, 1 to 4. Mm -hmm. Or once in a while on a, on a Labor Day, 1 to 4. The, the game itself, um, the nine innings, or when it happens to go longer, like yesterday there was a 16-inning game over in the Dominican, so those are even better because you get free baseball. The nine innings is the most uh, intriguing part of the game. It's, uh, it's a chess match. It's uh, player versus player, team versus team. Uh, a lot of people talk about the sport of uh, football being so intricate in so many plays. Well, there's still only maybe 100 plays in football where in baseball, on a really well-played game, there's 240 plays because there's 120 pitches for one team, 120 pitches for the other team, and each pitch is a play. It's a play for the person calling the sign. It's a play for the pitcher throwing the ball. It's a play for the manager or, and the coaches in the dugout to call a play or not call a play because every time you don't put a hit and run on or every time you don't bunt, it means you decided not to put that play on. Um, so there is a, those 13 seconds in between each pitch, there's a play, and that's even faster than football or basketball. Wow. You mentioned the Dominican. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but didn't you, didn't you run the Lasse team? Is that correct? I did. How was that experience in the Dominican Republic? Um, my family and I uh, probably feel that that's the most uh, intriguing and interesting games that we've ever been involved in. Um, the, f the, the fervor, the fan uh, anticipation of every day, the play that each pitch is so important because you're playing a 50-game season, not 162, and there's only six teams, so you're playing each, each team you know, almost once a week. You're facing them. Um, the level of play where you have some guys that have played 15 years in the big leagues, some guys that have played 15 games at A-ball playing against each other, and it doesn't matter in the eighth inning that there's, there's a guy that's a Bartolo Colon's pitching against an A-ball guy that might never play higher than A-ball, um, so that that game each day is so wild and fun, and you're spent at the end of each day. It's college football every day. Right. It's college football game every day because each crowd is 16,000 people packed to the, to, the, to the rafters. And when they leave, they're going to talk about it the next morning at 10 o'clock when you're at the Colmado getting yeah. coffee. Um, so we've, we've, we've experienced that and lived it. And the Boston Red Sox-New York Yankees rivalry, the Dodgers-San Francisco Giants rivalry, the Cubs-Pirates rivalry that I've been involved in, they really don't match 
the, the game's over and the match. Maybe we're still recording, make sure it's still red. Parents, what advice do you have for parents? Because I'm sure you've seen it now on every level. You have to have three boys. So they went up from T-ball to now with the pros. What advice do you have from parents for parents? Well, the two things I'm going to first start uh, to answer your question is, when it comes to advice for parents, I probably need my wife in here more because oh, she yeah. had that, that hands-on with, with my kids all the time where I was um, coaching a lot of the time and I was away eight months during the year and sometimes even if a little bit more when we were in winter ball and they weren't there the whole time. So she has a, a, a lot of experience in that. And the second thing is that um, when I speak on advice for parents, it's advice for myself. Because I'm still learning as a parent. Now, my parental learning is about kids that are 27, 25, and 21 now. And I wish I would have had all this experience when my kids were 10, 8, and 4. Because I would have been a better parent, a better dad, a better husband if I had all this. So it's just experience that um, from self-experience on um, being a part of raising three sons. And also experience on seeing... Um, players at in the big leagues that have been raised by parents, of course, um, kids in, in minor leagues, or being at the games that we've seen our, um, our sons play at. Um, the best thing you can do as far as being a parent is to be an encourager, uh, because encouragement is so vital to all of our lives. I mean, my, my dad gave me encouragement to, to stay in, in baseball and that not take a job that was maybe a, a little bit more lucrative money-wise, do something you love. And I, I still go to the yard every day for my profession and enjoy it. Um, so encouragement um, at any age is the most important, especially at the young age. Um, when they're encouraged, they have an opportunity to um, flourish and blossom and develop. So parents, please encourage your, your sons and your daughters. And that includes daughters for baseball, but that also includes sons for being in music, for being uh, in acting, for um, you know being uh, being good at math or being good at English. Um, so that's that's the most important. Um, realize that you're not living your life through them; you're allowing them to live their life and learn and grow, and be patient about it. Be, because we're still a, we're still a, uh, a we're still a, a process and work and uh, you know work and process process right now and progress right now. We're not until the end will we be a written story. Mm -hmm. And that eight eight year old has seventy more years to write that story. Right. Maybe record us with with my phone or with your phone. I have already. Just oh you're doing yeah. perfect. I when I met you. You're in the Mets organization, right? I've known you've, I know you've worn many hats, right? Let's talk about what you did with the Mets first, because that's where I came in to your life, and then the other ones that you, the other hats were. But in the Mets, what did you do? Well, when I met you with the Mets, I, I had one year as a bench coach with Jerry Manuel, and he was actually the man that interviewed me for my first professional job back in 1987. Um, then... Fast forward to 2010, he was the manager of the Mets. Um, he hired me to, um, to be his bench coach. At the end of the year, um, 
Jerry and Omar Minaya, the general manager, were released, um, were let go out of their contracts. And so some of us coaches were um, kept on. Uh, I actually interviewed for the managing position, didn't get it. Um, had some opportunities to maybe stay on as a coach in the big leagues. Um, however, uh, the new manager, Terry Collins, <laughs> took some other coaches. And so that they hired me as a uh, senior advisor. Um, and I guess senior advisor means you're old. Um, <laughs> but senior advisor to the minor league development staff to help the coaches more than players, the managers, the rovers, on some advice on how to expect, uh, how to help develop the players to get to the big league level. The big league level is different. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people say, hey, what's the biggest step in, uh, in, in the process of, of baseball development? Is it high school to college? Is it college to professional? Is it double A to triple A? You know, there, there's only one big step, and it's triple A to the big leagues, because that's what the big leagues is. It, there, there, there's, there's no comparison between AAA baseball and, and big league baseball. As, as, uh, it is the most gigantic step. It's the largest step. And to stay there is even tougher. So I, they hired me so that I could um, assist them in, uh, because of my time in the big leagues, because I've been in the big leagues for a long time, to help them. So I was with Dominican coaches and the Dominican League, which is the lowest level of, the, of every organization, but the Mets organization, and that was done in Boca Chica, uh, all the way up to AAA, which at that time was in Buffalo. Um, so I got to know that tremendous development staff because it had people like Phil Regan, who I used to coach third for, and he was the pitching coach in St. Lucie, and yet in 1992 I was coaching third, or 93 I was coaching third for him in Venezuela during the winter. Um, and Pedro Lopez, who we talked about today, who was the manager of the St. Lucie team, and he's now uh, managing AAA for the Mets. He's managing a team over in San Francisco de Macari in Dominican. He's a, a great young coach. Um, Frank Viola, who has gotten interviews to be a big league mm -hmm. pitching coach mm -hmm. already. He was uh, the pitching coach, I think, in Savannah at the time. Uh, Felipe Alou's son was the manager in the Gulf Coast League in St. Lucie at the time. Um, and so all these coaches, I was able to interact, come in for four or five days at a time, um, give them advice on what I thought Terry Collins specifically was looking for as a manager in the big leagues with the Mets, because I knew Terry well, and then also what to expect, um, what to try to train guys with um, to when they get up to the big leagues to be ready for the big leagues and to stay. That's both physically and mentally maybe even emotionally a little bit. And so that's what I was doing. That's when I got to meet you over in Dominican the first time um, at the St. Lucie Complex. When uh, I mean, at the uh, Boca, Ch mm -hmm. Boca Chica Complex. Um, but other jobs I've had, I've, had, I've, I've managed in the Meyer Leagues. I've coached in the Meyer Leagues. I've been a farm director. I've been a field uh, coordinator. I've been an advanced scout and uh, been a big league coach, both as a bench coach, first base coach, um, a major league coach. Um, so it's, it's been a great ride. Oh, I love it, the best. Now, with the Pirates, I know you have an interesting role, okay, that I think just started last year. Yes. Explain that a little bit, because I think you might be in charge of bringing the numbers in with the passion or something like that, so. 
Well, um, I've had I've had a couple different uh, movements with the Pirates big league coaching staff. Uh, came on after the first year as being a special assistant to Neil Huntington. Uh, my first year with the Pirates in 2012, um, Clint uh, added me as a major league coach um, to do um, it was to do a lot of just to help him, to help Jeff Bannister, the bench coach, um, to help us um, kind of uh, merge the new analytics department with the big league staff um, and help the coaches understand what that was about. Um, then I then I took a role as the bench coach when Jeff Bannister got the managing job in in Texas, and then last year we were able to promote a uh, a young uh, future big league manager Tommy Prince um, as the bench coach, and I took over a new role on our championship review. Um, so uh, my coaching responsibilities, a lot of them stayed the same. Um, the one new additional responsibility was we do a, we, we believe that you prepare, you execute, and you review. Those are the three basics on how we simplify uh, ourselves at being the best we can be. And our review process hadn't been, it had been a little bit unorganized, uh, even though we, um, we tried to put it in place for the five years that I was responsible, it was a little bit unorganized, so we tried to merge the analytic review with our own um, subjective review. I watched the game, my eyes say that in the second inning, because we didn't cover second base well, or because we did move the runner over from second base well, that was the intricate part of the game that allowed us to win. Um, and those those 240 plays that we talked about, there's probably about 30 that are really important. Uh, even though 240 are important, there's about 30 that might be the difference between mm -hmm. winning and losing um, or being prepared the next day to win even if you didn't win or be the, uh, the reason the next day you lost even though you won that day. Uh, and so there's also an analytics portion of that that we put into preparing and executing but we hadn't had done or we hadn't done it in reviewing, um, so we tried to merge those two, and I was um, responsible in um, trying to set it up. And it was it was try because it was a it's a first step in a process that will be better this coming year than it was last year. Uh, it was it was a great learning experience for myself to see. It's almost like the the old games we used to see on TV that were or on, on game. Um, some board games that were stratomatic where you saw these things move on the, the board and it was just, it was random. Well, analytics isn't random anymore, but they've taken those ideas and you see, you see little bobblehead men on these TV screens and they go over and use a cutoff and relay and it's, it's just what happened in the game, but it's a bobblehead. So men do it. It's really, and then they, off of that, the guy's, throwing comes out and he's throwing it at 80% or 86 miles an hour and it's an 85% chance to throw the guy out but because the catcher dropped the ball it's now it, it's not done right. so was it the 85 miles an hour out of the hand that threw it was it the 85% chance or was it the guy not catching the ball and oftentimes it confirms our what our eyes see mm -hmm. as experienced we are but the times it doesn't we've got to merge that together to be a little better the next day so that we are able to complete that play 
that's 85% chance of making, or the play that's 15% chance play uh, making, how do, we ma how do we get that play made a few more times than 15% so that we win maybe one more game? That's awesome. Two more questions. I don't want to wear you out. Two more questions. Number one, swing, hitting, right? We know how difficult it is. What's your hitting philosophy? If you have one, what's yours? I, I do have one, and you mentioned at the, the lunch table earlier that um, there are a lot of ideas, and they're, they're changing all the time. They're developing and evolving all the time, and there's validity and value in all of them. In all of them. Every hitter is different. Just like every young person that you're coaching is different. Just like each of our children are different. You're not gonna, there are certain basics and, 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 and set rules that you're gonna just have for everybody. But the way they react, the way they develop, the way they swing is, is different. So um, my basic philosophy is be aggressive, be balanced, use your sight the best, and try to hit the ball hard. Okay, now, off of that, everybody does that a little differently. And if you allow the person to do his natural athletic movement to do it, and then work with that to make them most successful, most of the time, the best chance, you're gonna give them a chance to hit. Um, and at the age of eight, they're gonna hit differently than they are at 18 because of muscles, because of muscle here. Um, but then at the age of 18 and 31, they're gonna different because their natural reflexes and athletic ability get a little better by the age of 22 and 24 and then go down by the age of 31. Mm -hmm. um, so even though a lot of guys have made a, some great strides in the last few years on Increasing their launch angle and, and 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 hitting underneath the ball and seeing fly balls improve. Um, the guys that are professing that are the greatest athletes of all time and can do it. And sometimes even the ones that are not quite as good at that level can't do it. And so definitely the kids at 15 to 8 to 6, they, they can't do it. Okay, so let them enjoy what they naturally do, and then little by little, if they get to the point where they're an exceptional athlete, then we can add some more things. That's awesome. Two more. I said one, I have two. It's okay. Second to last question. What trait do you love about yourself as a coach? What's the number one thing you like, the way you're as, as a coach that you have? What, what trait do you like? Well, I, I know that everybody I, I have coaching work with is better talented than I am. So I, I and that's that's fact, because I, I wasn't a good player. So it allows me to not try to um, live my ability through them. And and that's so it's a it's a it's a knack. I was able to coach at an earlier age than anybody because I couldn't play. So that's what I that's what I think I bring, which um, which most players like. And that, oh, every player likes. They 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 as much as you like the guy that is the greatest 
ability, that has the greatest ability. They aren't naturally the best coach because they could do it so easy, and it's not easy to do. Right. Um, so I, I, I think I, I just by lack of ability, I was able to bring that right at the ground floor, and I was able, I was able to connect with coaching on them so much better than um, easier to, to be coaching with them and seeing their abilities work than trying to profess my abilities. That's awesome. But we're still recording, so it's ready? All right, final question, okay? Why, I know you're nice to everybody, and you're one of the nicest guys, probably the nicest guy I know. Why were you so nice to me? <laughs> um, that's a really good question. There was a, uh, a genuine humbleness out of you, despite a, despite a, a big presence. You have a big presence. You have a big personality. Um, but there was a there was a uh, a humbleness out of you of just just wanting to uh, be a part of something, and it turned out to be a part of the St. Lucie team. It turned out to be a part of our um, a part of me wherever I was going, part of the Dominican um, team, and you would have done every anything without asking for anything, and it doesn't come across that often in um, in our life, my family's life. There, There's probably a, little, a few little walls that we've put up because most people, um, a lot of people, I hate to say most, but a lot of people have, have, have wanted something mm -hmm. from from us. Um, I, 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 have a, I have a good life. I have a, a great family. Yeah. I have a, a, a really interesting career. And so, People kind of like that, and uh, I don't like to be taken advantage of, and I like to be nice, so it's easier to take advantage. I could tell that there was no taking advantage of. Oh, that's the best. All right, there we go. All right, Billy, come on. You're up. You're up. Come on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.